We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome in to the Thursday Rotowire NFL podcast brought to you by Yahoo and Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. John McKechnie and Mario Puig hanging out with you on this Thursday afternoon, getting you ready for week three. We're already into week three of the NFL action, so we're going to, throughout the throughout the course of the show today, we're just going to kind of roll through every single game, look at it from all angles, uh, all the fantasy aspects that you could possibly want. Uh, we'll be doing that for every single game on the slate this week outside of the Thursday night game. Uh, so before we get into that, we do have a message from our friends over at Yahoo. The NFL season is officially underway, which means Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has returned. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and a perfect lineup will, will, will win you $1 million every week of the football season. It's an it's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. 
Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Mario, how's it going? Pretty good. I just pulled up, this is not an ad, I just pulled up DraftKings to kind of pull up some of the salaries for these games we're going to be talking about. Do you see that Rambo ad on the right side? Ooh, I don't, but I'm uh, I'm getting jazzed for that movie. I guess it's supposed to be cool, and I guess it is, but uh, the ad more so just makes it look like Rambo has since died of colloidal silver poisoning. <laughs> oh, no, not again. I, I noticed uh, this came up on Twitter between us, and I forgot to explain it. Uh, you saw that picture of, of the guy who turned... Like the Santa-looking guy who had turned silver. Yeah, he is because he ate too much silver. Because the end times, like the key is the key to surviving the end times is eating silver. Is that am I on the right track there? I think it's like it's. They say it's better than don't eat colloidal silver. Actually, to be totally serious, but there's the among some particularly smart people in, in certain corners <laughs> of society. Um, there's a theory that if you eat enough or ingest whatever, you don't actually chew on silver. It's like pills and you ingest enough of it and you become enough, uh, like chemically silver yourself that you just can't get sick anymore. Yeah. Like viruses bounce off you. Mm -hmm. They try to bite you or whatever viruses do and they're just silver, nothing. Yeah. Spot the lie. So yeah, that guy, like on the one hand, he is actually silver now. But also immortal, I guess. And yeah. it looks like, I guess that might be the plot of Rambo 10 or whatever this is. It's like, <laughs> he's silver now. Doesn't matter how many times you shoot him. Yep. He's, yeah. So the bullets Sorry bounce off. And, and so do, you know, anything else that he can get the dengue fever or whatever else he might be confronted yeah, he's, with. He's ready for like the post apocalyptic uh, nuclear fallout, uh, the permafrost releasing anthrax. None of that matters for him. He's ready to. You know, whatever few bad guys are left in this uh, hellscape, he's ready to shoot them a million times. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's that's the way the Rambo movies work. So very excited for that one. Not even a, that's just free advertising for 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 yeah. Sly Stallone there. Sorry about the spoiler, but uh, it looks good. Is the point? <laughs> so we'll be going. We'll be seeing that on Sunday instead of watching the games, actually. But let's get into some of the matchups uh, for this weekend. Uh, let's. We're going to kind of roll through it, um, going through. Uh, the games starting with like the highest over unders and kind of working our way down and we'll save the primetime games for the end of the show but we'll be getting through them and we're going to lead things off with I think at least for the one one o'clock eastern windows headliner and that's the Chiefs uh, playing host to the Ravens over unders there set up at 52 uh, the Chiefs five and a half point favorites in this one. Yeah, to me, this is the Super Bowl, unless these two teams face again in the playoffs, in which case that game becomes the new Super Bowl. But uh, yeah, this is quite... I can't imagine going back and, you know, my crap recent memory, like another game as interesting as this one, this particular matchup. Um, going to Arrowhead, going to introduce some new difficulties for Lamar Jackson that he hasn't faced yet, but his level of play at this point says that he might be up for it and maybe even more than up for it. And Mahomes, it seems pretty automatic not to jinx the guy, but Kyler Murray looked okay against that Ravens pass defense in Baltimore. Maybe Arrowhead, maybe the Baltimore defense will play up a little bit in Arrowhead too. Maybe Arrowhead's just not that easy for an offense to play in compared to some other spots, but uh, Mahomes should be fine. And if he sets the pace, 
we haven't seen this Baltimore offense yet from a catch-up script. Right. And it might be pretty explosive. They might struggle because it's something new and they haven't been tested as far as this goes. But uh, the unknown of, uh, you know, the upside scenario is, is something that we quite simply haven't quite seen yet. Like this kind of matchup is uh, closer to the future than we've ever been, probably. Yeah, I mean, the, this uh, this has potential to be on a similar plane as like the, the Rams chief Monday nighter from, from last year. I'm not, yeah. not saying that we're going to see 100 points or anything, but I feel like an over-under of 52, that's very enticing. Even even if the Ravens have a good defense, I just don't think it really matters when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, even, the, even if he doesn't have Tyreek Hill. So I guess from, from a fantasy um, bent on this one, I think one of the more bigger question marks in this game less about Lamar and, and Mahomes because I think they're like one two in our quarterback ranks for this week so that's just, that's just awesome but how are you making sense of this Kansas City backfield right now I mean is this a week where uh, maybe those Darwin Thompson shares kind of rise up a little bit yeah I saw that Damian Williams wasn't practicing today Thursday so even if it's a knee contusion and there's no ligament issue involved I don't think he's going to play this week or if he is active, I doubt it'll be more than 10 or 15 snaps, something like that. And in the meantime, LaShawn McCoy's also got that ankle issue. So I think they have to play Darwin. Like if it's not Darwin, then it's going to be Daryl Williams. And that's not exciting exactly. And I can't think of any reason why they would prefer Daryl uh, unless Darwin's had like blocking difficulties, which maybe he has, but I doubt it because uh, they sure were talking him up a lot in training camp. And uh, he got ahead of Carlos Hyde on the depth chart pretty quick. So I think they almost have to go to Darwin. And if you held on to him, like if you drafted him, you should have hold, held on to him. And if you held on to him, yeah, get ready to start him. And I don't think you let the defense dissuade you at all. If if Damian Williams is out, uh, as long as he's out, I would definitely plan on starting Darwin. Okay, that's that's kind of what, what I'm thinking as well uh, as far as my, my Darwin Thompson shares. I'm definitely glad that I hung, hung on to him. It was kind of like between him and uh, Darrell Henderson and, and Ty Johnson of like those those early season trendy guys who um, maybe fell by the wayside on your waiver wires. Um, but I, I was able to hold on to, to Thompson thinking about starting him, but I might have a couple other options. In the end, how do you see this game playing out? Uh, so Lamar Jackson has put up numbers that look perfect through two games, but on the passes that haven't been touchdowns, you can see, you know, a few cases where like, maybe if this was a better defense, this would have been an interception instead of an incomplete pass. This defense of Kansas City's might not be the one to change the outcome in that hypothetical there, but Arrowhead introduces a little bit of a difficulty. It'll probably be loud and, you know, hostile crowds. So if Lamar isn't sharp you can imagine like the setting bringing out the worst in uh, pretty much everyone on the offense but personnel wise he should be able to win against this Kansas City defense like I know their corners looked better in week two but I think that was just because they kind of decoded uh, what the Oakland Raiders were doing from week one turns out Oakland couldn't adjust Lamar has you know the first two reads are obviously going to be Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown most of the time right so that's where Lamar is going to have to adjust because that's not always going to be there the same way it's been there through two weeks so even if those corners are vulnerable they're going to be a little more you know cognizant of what the the Ravens mean to do on offense the thing is if even if they do kind of stop those guys in the passing game I don't know if there's many teams that are more vulnerable to Lamar Jackson on the ground than the Chiefs because those linebackers are trash. Like, they're really bad. And as long as you don't let Frank Clark and Chris Jones ruin the point of attack for the offense, 
those linebackers might just be hopeless, helpless rather against Lamar Jackson. So are they he, worse than what like Arizona was bringing to the table in terms of the linebacking core? Because Lamar yeah. was able to kind of like anytime that the coverage was was there down the field, he would just tuck it and run, and obviously ended up running for 120 yards. Yeah, that's Jordan Hicks and Hassan Reddick, and those guys can run a little bit. Hitchens and Raglan can't even really run. I, Damian Willis, Wilson, I think, is the other one. I think he's probably just average or something. Hitchens got lit up maybe more than any linebacker in the league last year as far as running backs, uh, both in, as receivers and runners alike. So I think Jackson, I mean, let's just say he throws, I don't know, 35 passes, maybe Mark Ingram limited to something like 10 or 12. In that case, Lamar Jackson, if Pat Mahomes produces the way he usually does, might also run 10 plus times. I think this is a setting where as long as the stadium doesn't kind of just cause a weird effect on the Baltimore offense, Lamar Jackson might average more than 10 yards a carry against this kind of team. Mm. And, uh, you know, not that's not me predicting it, but it's like it's going to happen at some point in his career where he has just an insane rushing performance. And a setting against the Chiefs defense is one of those kind of uh, best you can ask for kind of conditions for it it's like you can't get your hopes up for it specifically but as far as the chances of any particular scenario giving you that outcome this is one of them okay so yeah this is going to be an extremely exciting matchup again that the highest over under on the board for this week could be one of the best games that we see all season long Um, let's move on over to the chargers and the texans um, I want to ask you, you know, because you've been getting into into cornerback personnel and, and alignment a little bit. Who does this set up well, particularly for, or is it challenging for, uh, for as far as these Texans pass catchers go, going up against the Chargers secondary? Okay, so the Texans tend to move around Hopkins and Fuller both pretty equally between inside and out, and with uh, the Chargers, the guy who gets the best marks is Desmond King in the slot it's kind of fair to wonder if he would maybe not have as good of results if he had to do different tasks. Like if he had to run outside with a player like Fuller, maybe his coverage grades wouldn't look so good, but when he's in the slot and when he doesn't have to cover the whole field and when he's kind of allowed to, you know, get his hands on people so far, it seems like no one really wins against Desmond King that much. Now, if so, that would primarily be a problem for someone like Kiki Kuti, I guess. And yeah, I don't, as quick as he is, I don't know if Kuti has any obvious way to get a bit of an advantage on King. And it's already the case that Watson's going to look to Hopkins and Fuller first. So I think you might see a bit of a, uh, you know, funnel away from Kiki Kuti if that holds true, if King plays the way he usually does. Because uh, I don't think he's going to be running with Hopkins or especially not Fuller very much. So uh, Fuller's the guy, we saw T.Y. Hilton, I think a couple times in the past two years, uh, beat up the Chargers, and it's largely because a guy like Casey Hayward, the more feared outside corner of, of their guys in, in the, the outside corner group, um, he he's really good, but he's also kind of more like a king sort of corner where it's like he keeps it in front of him, he's kind of springy and rangy on the shorter intermediate routes, but he can't actually run down the field, so if Fuller's on him... That's a mismatch, uh, but with that said, it's uh, who was it against? Oh, like he was going against Trey Herndon against the Jaguars. Didn't get much going for whatever reason. I guess the Houston offensive line was part of the problem. Right. Maybe that's where you have the bigger concern because Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa can obviously be a problem. So if if uh, Watson has time to throw, I think Fuller will get open, but he might not have enough time to really go that way. Okay, so the, this yeah this sets up interestingly uh, in that sense, and then I think one of the bigger 
fantasy quandaries to to this point in the season because we we knew that that Fuller and Hopkins were were you know great players especially at their given draft day prices and we we both are big Watson guys but figuring out this backfield especially after Lamar Miller went down has been really a challenging thing for fantasy analysts. Uh, the first week of the season, we saw Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson eff- effectively uh, split the carries. And then last week, uh, Carlos Hyde saw two thirds of the rushing attempts, uh, wh- whereas Duke Johnson only one fifth of them. So it looks like at least, I mean, the, it's only a two game sample. So what what are we doing here when it comes to Hyde and Johnson? Well, it's pretty concerning for Duke Johnson shares because Bill O'Brien just didn't use him last week. And I... I don't have much hope for the broader project then because it just shows that Bill O'Brien like he might he might be good at kind of coaching quarterbacks or calling plays in some respect or another but he doesn't have any clear uh, consistent way of thinking like he just doesn't it, it, like he had some presumably some idea in his head of, as far as like oh we got to get Duke Johnson because we're going to do all these things with him and whatever it was that he was thinking whatever reason that led him to be so urgent about it to as to offer a third round pick he just threw it out last week and you have to wonder like well why did he throw it out like did is he just d- disappointed with Duke Johnson since he got there did he decide like actually maybe he wasn't as good as I thought totally possible but uh, it's kind of like, wow, how did you miss that bad then? And m- my particular take is Duke Johnson is still way better than Carlos Hyde. Bill O'Brien just doesn't know what the hell he's doing, basically. Okay. And Carlos Hyde, to his credit, running really well through two games, I have a lot of trouble understanding how this has been the outcome because he was really bad last year. He's never been a guy with a whole lot of vision or um, quickness or anything. He's always been like fast and quick for his size, and he'll fall forward and he'll he'll run with the strength that you expect. But he kind of has a way of finding piles usually, or at least in his recent history, he has these two games aside. So I still wonder, like, how do we how does last year happen if the two first games for Hyde this year are are more who he is? And mm-hmm. I I'm less sure than I was a week and especially two weeks ago, but I still have to believe based on what these two players these two running backs going back to college have done and certainly what they've done in the nfl duke johnson's the better one but bill o'brien is not a rational coach to me so uh i'm not feeling especially optimistic about the duke johnson shares seems like carlos hyde has all the momentum and you kind of defer to that i guess at least if you think that houston doesn't fall behind in this game but with the chargers so short-handed on offense i guess i'd be surprised if houston fell behind right so it's a it's a weird setup obviously and again it's something that has gone especially with the with the capital that uh, like you mentioned that that houston put into acquiring duke johnson for him to fall by the wayside like this and you know he's still useful as like a pass catcher and you, you can do so many things with him so the fact that he's just kind of getting written out of the game script is wild and you know we have carlos hyde mean in the meantime, you know, ranked inside our top 20 at running back this week. So I think at least if we're looking at week three alone, until we kind of see a pulse from Duke Johnson, I, I think, you know, and I have a lot of shares of him, I think I'm probably leaving him on the bench. Yeah, I'm starting him in one league that I have him, but that's because somebody else got hurt. I can't remember who, but uh, Damian Williams probably. Hmm. But yeah, I think, uh, I mean, look, he's he's got 88 yards on 15 carries and he's got four catches for 33 yards on six targets so duke johnson is producing it's just bill o'brien decided he prefers the aesthetics of big man with football instead of guy that he just spent a third round pick 
four. And uh, that's just where we're at. Pretty pretty wild stuff there in Houston, and obviously kind of frustrating. And then do you have any lingering takes on uh, the, the Chargers side of this one before we move on? I know it's not the most obviously easy matchup, but Austin Eckler is really good, and his usage is such that I think he's one of the more matchup-proof running backs in the league. So I think you keep him in like the top five running backs this week for PPR, and uh I don't know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, both should be able to get open on this secondary, but especially Keenan Allen, I think. Uh, Houston did cut Colvin a couple weeks ago. It didn't matter against the Jaguars, but it's more likely to matter against Keenan Allen. Okay, yeah, so that, that could end up being an issue uh, for the back in the back end uh, for the Texans there. Uh, let's move on over to Tampa Bay playing host to the Giants, the beginning of the blessed Daniel Jones era. Oh, my God. Yeah, this... Uh at least they, they, they picked the right quarterback to make him look good by comparison. Like Going with Eli Manning as the starter for two full games is going to make Daniel Jones look like so good and uh, i think so too like it's it's crazy how quickly this whole this whole thing ran out with with eli because you just assumed that that and there are definitely stronger takes uh, elsewhere on the rotowire network of uh for football with with list being you know the resident giants fan but it feels like to me this this was supposed to be a total developmental year for jones and kind of like okay eli has done so much for the for this franchise over the last however many years since 2004 I just give him his last go round and to pull the plug after two weeks just feels like just crazy mismanagement. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, I, I can understand leaving him in last week because that Bills defense is good and they were down. They're just like comically injured at receiver and suspended, I guess, at receiver. So he, he was going to get roughed up in that game if they put Jones out there. And I, I guess I almost think that uh, like a year ago, they would have put Jones in that game, but as like, a, you know, getting him some work maybe, but also to just kind of be like, look, we can't win this game. Eli's our starter. Okay. We, there's no use putting him out there when we just got to go look, look forward to next week. And now you could see like, maybe it didn't, maybe it didn't happen until halftime or later in that game against Buffalo, but against Buffalo, it changed from like, uh, Eli's our starter. We have to get him out. You know, there's no point in keeping him in to like whoever's playing quarterback is going to get killed. Put Eli in. <laughs> yeah. And so that was, that's a pretty big shift. And uh, I mean, Daniel Jones can't be as bad, I don't think, but, and his numbers in the ACC are rough. And while I admit I, I'm pretty limited in my confidence to be able to project most quarterbacks, I'd have n- no hope for this guy at all. None. Okay. So better than Eli, that's my hope. And where does that bar rest exactly? It's like somewhere slightly above the toilet. I don't know. (laughs) So, I mean, basically he becomes, especially with the injuries that have happened across the league at the quarterback position elsewhere, um, I think Daniel Jones does kind of enter the radar one way or the other as far as in in terms of like two quarterback leagues specifically. Yeah, and super flex, you're glad to own him. Uh, what a weird I'm about to start Kyle Allen in a in a league which it's just things are things are wild right now yeah so we're down Foles Breeze Cam Roethlisberger Roethlisberger Darnold and uh I feel like I'm forgetting another one yet Uh, I guess we're down Simeon too for those people who picked up Simeon um yeah it's it's pretty weird and uh Kyle Allen though I actually do like this week not to jump too far uh to the other part of the slate and the Giants Tampa 
I don't know. I think there's a chance the Tampa defense is not so bad. Yeah. Uh, there's a chance that it is and that just the two teams <laughs> that they played were stupid slash bad, but there's a chance that it's decent. Like Todd Bowles, he was a disaster as a head coach, but he had some really good defenses for Arians in Arizona. And maybe, I mean, the defense is definitely carrying that team so far. The offense sucks. Yep. So maybe they both start being terrible soon but until then we have more reason to think the defense is good than the offense uh whatever that does for anybody so with all the all the quotes and everything flying around from bruce arians this week about kind of you know pushing oj howard via the media a little bit here is he asking howard to like threaten him into giving him more routes to run in the play like i don't don't, like i don't know what it is you're not getting open on your blocks buddy he's pressing or something i think is kind of arian's main thesis there but i'm probably having to bench oj at least for this week uh i guess it depends on what your other options are like i'd still stick with howard i think in most cases but uh yeah if you got a good backup then sure i just happen to think like this Giants defense might be the worst one in the league. It m- it might not be that bad, but it's it's bad. However, whatever specific like integer it ends up at, it's not good. And uh I think Howard like it would take almost aggressively hostile play calling toward him to keep him wrapped up the way they have in the first two weeks seeing i mean that seems to I don't see a change in that at least right now. Right. I mean what the the way it has to work is they just have to stop giving this make work of uh, receiving functions to Cam Braid. Like Cameron Braid's a totally decent tight end. He's he might even be average as far as starters go, and therefore he's kind of like overqualified to be a backup. But you don't create, you don't like subsidize tasks for average starters at the expense of your above average ones to justify the first player. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Tampa Bay is doing. If you're stupid, you do stupid things sometimes, and I don't have any reason to think they're anything but that. Uh, but it is it is at least the case that if they choose to stop being morons, then Howard will go off. Like, there's no question. You look at his production in the first two years. If you throw the ball at him, you will get better results than almost literally almost any other player in the league. Like, you're talking 7 out of 10 uh, catch rate and you're talking 11 and a half yards a target, you can't get that from anybody. Right. And Tampa Bay, looking at how bad their offense is, looking at how dysfunctional their whole approach has been through two weeks, it would be pretty insanely stupid of them to conclude, like, let's keep not throwing to this guy. This this guy has worked quite well in convincing sample sizes in the past, but we're already bad. Why would we need to be better than bad? <laughs> And uh, it's possible that they they stand with it. And to be honest, Arians' answer spooked me because it sounds to me like a guy who doesn't know. Like, I don't know if he remembers who O.J. Howard is. Uh, It's like an answer you give when you're just kind of making something up. So he might not be all that plugged in right now. Okay. And uh, I don't. I don't know where it's going, but the matchup couldn't be better. At least there is that. And and with that, Bucks. Minus six and a half, it's, it still feels like a lot of trust to be put. Like, even for how bad we think the Giants are, and even with the, you know, the the switch at quarterback, it does still feel like a lot of trust to be putting in the Buccaneers. Yeah, I don't I don't want to bet on this game because I can imagine either team getting blown out. Like they're just that stupid and bad. Yeah, it's that's gonna be 
a, a, a very strange game there on Sunday afternoon. Super meltdown prone, these two teams. Speaking of stupid and bad, we got the Dolphins traveling to Dallas. Okay, and, there's the worst defense. And, and continuing to kind of like make the early season landscape of, of Survivor extremely favorable. Like it's just like, just pick against whoever's, or pick whoever is playing the Dolphins and you're going to be fine. There's going to be a lot of split titles in Survivor. I know, year. it's because <laughs> they, they are the cheat code. If you didn't lose in week one, you're just safe. <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, 22 and a half is the spread now. It's like Vegas like yelling at us, basically. Like That's so many points, but it's like it's also the Dolphins. Yeah, so I don't know, man. I mean, their defense is the worst, but it's also kind of got the asterisk of like, is it really fair to say that their defense is the worst when no one's willing to play for them either? Like, I don't I, I know they're they're going to have 11 guys on the field, but they may as well not. Like it's not, it's just too poor of a talent collection, too insane and incompetent of a coaching regime. Only bad things can happen here. Pride does nothing for a team that is this hopeless, and they don't have pride either. So uh, Dallas gonna get this is the, this is the game like uh, this is the game where Tony Pollard uh, finally gets you the, like the starting best ball oh, number. Nice. I think because I know Ezekiel is probably gonna get you know 12 to 15 carries he could score two or three times he's a great at least in tournaments i guess in in dfs and in season long you're super happy to have him this week um but i think there's gonna be work for pollard quite a bit probably and uh maybe this is kind of like a a slow day for amari cooper and jason witten guys like that but uh, i think we might see two games in a row of devin smith being uh, featured prominently which is a insane but b very cool i know right i, I was act- that was actually my, my next talking point here like if you went ahead and, and grabbed him in fab this week do you think you can just go ahead and plug him into your lineup yeah because gallop's out and randall cobb he's got a totally good matchup in this one too he could have a good game but i mean devin smith i assume he's kind of maybe he's not the same athlete he was before his injury troubles but i assume he's kind of made his way back I mean, last week's touchdown looked like a devin smith touchdown right the box score looks very much like a devin smith ohio state box score like three targets 74 yards and a touchdown just uh, except for his you know 130 yards and two three touchdowns on four catches like those are the two outcomes he ever had at ohio state and i mean dak prescott looks mvp good kellen moore clearly one of the best even through two games you can say like he's better than almost every other coach in the nfl no joke. Like Dallas is so insanely dumb lucky to have him on that team and they would be crazy to not fire Jason Garrett whenever the moment of truth comes up. Whenever somebody goes and sniffs around Kellen Moore looking to give him a head coaching offer, they need to be ready to just say goodbye Garrett. This is it. Yeah, like, and it, it felt like they were going to, you know, have to empty the Brinks truck to try to pry Lincoln Riley out of out of Norman, but they just kind of found a better version of that with NFL yeah. chops. Yeah, there is every reason to believe that Kellen Moore is like the best head coaching prospect around NFL football right now. And that's insane. I did not. I don't know how anyone could have seen it coming, but I definitely didn't see that coming. Kellen Moore broke my heart in 2011 against Georgia. And when Georgia wore the Power Ranger uniforms, it was a terrible game. Oh, which what was the heartbreak? Oh, it just I mean, well, it's less a heartbreak, more like it ripped my heart out. Like it, Boise State just came to the Georgia Dome and just wax georgia oh okay i didn't know which way which way the disappointment originated. so yeah he he whipped georgia oh yeah sorry about that yeah, it's okay. um but yeah maybe uh i don't know maybe 
Do you have Do you have like Gallup shares or something? I do, I okay. do, but um, I, I know think he's hurt. I, it, I am you... trying to back them up with Devin Smith at least for right now in the short term. Yeah, Devin he's... Smith, I definitely like this week. Yes, because uh, see, he might not be on Xavier Howard that much, and if he isn't, I mean, he, it, healthy Devin Smith can definitely run away from Eric Rowe, the other outside corner. And I think Dak Prescott might be just so good at this point that it's just like whoever he throws to is getting numbers. Yes, that's that's kind of what, what I'm thinking. It seems like he's really dialed in. And again, like the system looks absolutely fantastic so far. So last thing on the Dolphins here, just kind of out of necessity, we got to do it uh, right before we stepped into the into the pod zone here. Uh, Miami named Josh oh. Rosen the starter. So sorry about that, Josh. Um, <laughs> nice knowing you, yeah, Josh. Man. Uh, now I'm like I'm basically certain that it's just never going to work out for Rosen. Actually, no, it won't. Yeah, like it, it really won't. He, he, his best case scenario now is like Tommy Maddox. That's that's what he needs to do. <laughs> he's he, going to have to go to the XFL, which opens up. I see the parallels. Yeah, yeah, he's going to have to do some kind of hiatus where he like finds himself and like learns to heal and like so like Batman Begins. Yeah, there's probably a, quite a few good references for this. That he, I was going to say maybe uh, Simba in uh, The Lion King, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he has to go and be, like, a, a fail son uh, loaf for, for a while before he's picked back up. And, and they're like, remember what you were supposed to be? And, yeah, I think th- there's a lot of classic narratives that apply to Rosen. Uh, but it's... In the meantime, going to be tribulation. Yeah, it's going to be rough uh, on like the on the path of the hero's journey. He's he's in the belly of the whale right now. Yeah, he's uh, he's in the belly of the whale indeed. Uh, I guess Preston Williams is kind of like all of a sudden the lead receiver in Miami. Don't know what happened with Devonte Parker. If, if anyone's seen him, uh, I think he's let, met let like know. the Ozzy Smith fate from the Simpsons episode. Like he's just fallen into the into the great abyss, never okay. be seen again. Well, you don't want to fall into that. Nope. And uh, Preston Williams got over forty snaps, playing more snaps than Hakeem Grant or Alan Hearn. So if you got to play somebody from the Dolphins, I guess it would be him. Uh, also, I just want to give a shout out to Brian Flores for continuing this absolute farce with Kalen Balage. It is actually funny now it's well past the point of being funny before it was kind of annoying and now it's like okay you're hilarious now he's dug in uh yeah this this is i've, I've never like kalen balage might be kind of the worst running back i've ever seen in the nfl like he's so bad he can't play the position at all it's out of hand and it's great yeah so give him all the carries um so all right so we'll, we'll move on from, from that you know impending dumpster fire in uh in that dallas miami game to bring you a, a game that's a little bit more uh even i think one of the tougher ones to pick aside at least for this week indianapolis one and a half point favorites at home against atlanta atlanta obviously kind of bounced back last week nicely after terrible showing and very week one. ugly though i mean i am they tried I'm to alarmed. give that game away yeah i'm alarmed at that offensive line i know injuries have had a little bit to do with it like i guess mcgarry left that game and they already lost lindstrom before that so they're already at best back to square one with those two out their first two the two first round picks from this year and uh the colts i mean they're maybe not as threatening as a fletcher cox led defensive line but Danico autry is still one of the best pass rushing defensive tackles so i'm a little worried about that falcons offense but i mean these two teams like the dome boys they're all in the dome they're ready to stop playing defense just for a week i hope let everybody kind of have some fun for once come on i'm here for come that on, guys just <laughs> stop sacking him so much come on both of you uh but 
I, I hope that Ryan can get it going a little bit. I'm substantially invested in the Arizona, or sorry, the Atlanta passing game. Um, also the Colts guys, but uh, I'd, I'd really like to see Matt Ryan not get sacked a bunch, not turn it over as many times as he scores, things like that. Uh, but with that said, with the, the Atlanta ground game looking so dead, which may or may not change, I don't know, but with it looking so dead, it's like Marlon Mack is the main constant that we can take away from this game, I guess. Uh, Julio Jones aside, perhaps, but it seems like the Colts at home, uh, with the much better coaching, in my opinion, should be able to kind of have the uh, advantage in the script most times. So uh, I like Marlon Mack a decent amount, and uh, although Jordan Wilkins getting going is a bit concerning because I think he can definitely run, and he's definitely a better pass catcher than Marlon Mack, so. That's a source of perhaps ongoing concern, but I think they still, for whatever reason, really like Mac as like a twenty carry guy. Yeah, and so then sometimes another that. person gets in. Yeah, so right, especially against a, a Falcons defense, it might not be awesome against the run. It's certainly not not one to, to make you like turn away from from a Marlon Mack. No, uh, this week. See so. how long you love him. Yes, yeah. definitely. So so go ahead and keep him in your lineup there as as an RB one type of consideration. I think we have him inside of our top ten over at Rotowire. Um, let's get over to the Eagles playing host to the Lions. The Eagles are so dinged up. I mean, like you, you mentioned Outrageous. the sort of like comical nature of, of how dinged up the Giants receiving core was a week ago. I mean, Sunday night, like as much as I'm excited to see like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside get oh, on the oh, field yeah. because I have him in, in some deep leagues and I felt like a smart guy, but still I'm like, I did not expect him to get on the field in week two. Right, but I think he's going to be good, and it might make things pretty complicated for the Eagles because I think they wanted to keep Nelson Aguilar featured this year, and he will be featured this week, I think, just because... Boy, that drop. <sighs> he's, yeah, you, every year you could have said, you could have had that on the soundboard at this point, <laughs> just the, the Nelson button, and uh, yeah, he, he'll drop passes. He's good at getting open, though, and he can run when he doesn't drop the ball, so... With Deshaun Jackson probably out and with Alshon kind of iffy, I think they have to use him quite a bit this week. And uh, he should be able to avoid Slay for the most part because he's Aguilar's been running a lot out of the slot. So could be a decent matchup for him. I don't know. It's kind of whatever, break-even sort of thing. But the usage, if Deshaun is out, helps quite a bit. Our Sega Whiteside might see quite a bit of Slay, but... Honestly, I'm so high on our Sega Whiteside. I don't care. Like if he's if he's getting 40 plus snaps, I kind of I might go at that in DFS because in tournaments, of course only. But he's he's an awesome prospect. He's going to be really good, and I think uh, I'm I'm just not at all worried about it. So if you were just sitting on your couch Sunday night, you saw a lot of Mac Hollins out there as well. Yeah. Is 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 that like the trap here? And then the, like our Sega Whiteside's the one that you want to get after. I think uh, if if there is a trap, yeah, Matt Collins. I'd barely consider that guy a receiver. But I think Aguilar, I don't know what he is on DraftKings here. I'll see if the – oh, 3,600. He could drop a few passes and still pay off at that price. So I think Aguilar might be the trap in the sense of, like, you're chasing last week's numbers. And I think Arcega Whiteside is clearly the guy who's got – uh, positive regression progression whatever um so it, i think the answer could easily be both and uh I'm, in talent terms or sega white side's just one of my favorite receivers in the league probably yeah he's really really fun player especially down in the red zone so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out obviously alshon jeffrey dealing with the injury and goddard's hurt that's right yeah i had to, had to 
pull the plug on Goddard in in a two tight end league. Um, so I think Zach Ertz could could still be the like that red zone guy, but oh, yeah. he, he's not the he's not like the biggest touchdown maker at the tight end position. So maybe uh, our Sega Whiteside gets gets a little bit involved there, and at that point, you know, that it's a huge payoff. Yeah, I like I can conceive of uh, going with like a Wentz Whiteside Ertz kind of stack or something because Ertz with Goddard out also a major green light like siren a green siren probably yeah that's gonna that's a huge spot for him so consider him for for dfs as well obviously he'll be locked into your starting lineups any anything to get into on the lion side of things i know that they got rid of cj anderson this week so your ty johnson shares out there your ty johnson waiver wire pickups uh might be you know closer than than uh, they appear yeah definitely hold on to ty if you already have him and I don't know if you can really start him in many cases, probably just 16 team leagues, 14 team leagues, things like that. But I honestly had him graded higher as a prospect than carry on Johnson. I was probably too low on carry on Johnson. They were both kind of like fourth, fifth round guys to me. But Ty is faster and Ty was very good in college and they gave him good reviews for his pass catching and training camp. They cut Anderson, obviously. So I I think he's he's not going to play ahead of carry on in any case but an even split at some point is not out of the question and if carry on gets hurt i love ty johnson in that case yeah because carry on has been dinged up at different points in his playing career even even dating back to to college had a bit of a shoulder thing late in his uh, final season over at auburn so yeah ty johnson is a really explosive player uh certainly interesting i I, like you said probably not starting him this week but but someone that that you're going to want to hang on to uh from here on out we got a message from our friends over at fantasy draft now fantasy draft the only rake free daily fantasy site in the business brings the heat again with a $750,000 guaranteed rake-free contest, the Hooter main event, with its $100,000 first place payout. This is the largest and only rake-free contest running anywhere for NFL Week 3. That's right. Fantasy Draft is the only daily fantasy site where you can play contests with no management fees taken out of the prize pools 100% of the time, not just for limited-time promotional contests. Listen, as as other daily fantasy sites continue to raise rake, Prize pools are being squeezed, making it harder for players like you to win. Whether you call it rake, commission, or management fee, the days of paying 10, 12, or even 16% of your entry fees to to fantasy companies are over. No longer will you lose 30% of your bankroll to the house. Sign up at fantasydraft.com today with promo code ROTOWIRE and you'll get a free seven day trial on your first $1,000 of free rake entry fees. That's fantasydraft.com promo code ROTOWIRE. Don't miss your shot at millions of dollars in rake-free contests this season. Start playing on Fantasy Draft today. Your bankroll is going to love it. All right, let's move on to another game uh, from this weekend. So let's let's go into the afternoon, late afternoon window a little bit here. We have the Seahawks playing host to the Saints team that no longer has Drew Brees, at least for, for the time being here. So it's Teddy Bridgewater time. I think, it, you know, it's been said a million times this week, but there are a few teams that were set up better to lose its starter and still maybe keep things afloat as best as it could uh, than the Saints with, with with having Bridgewater in place there. Right. He struggled a lot against the Rams. I don't know how much we can take away from that. We can maybe take it away one to one, but there's also a chance that just being off the bench going against, uh, I don't remember how early Aaron Donald might have gotten hurt, but you know, going against that guy is never going to be easy and uh, there's 
other pass rushers in that defense who, who can make things a little rough on you the corners were supposed to be good even though they weren't last year so maybe the Rams defense can get some credit but Bridgewater really struggled to the point that I think we might this is not me predicting anything so please don't this, this isn't actionable in any way what I'm about to say but I think Taysom Hill might play a lot of quarterback uh I can see him maybe doing like an even split almost oh wow with Bridgewater this is just me guessing things like I've got no objective reason to think that this will happen there's no like report that I'm citing it's just if Bridgewater is struggling like that the Saints having the ambitions that they do are not as likely as some other teams to just accept the failure Mm -hmm. and Taysom Hill I mean he's an annoying gimmick gadget player but he also was a quarterback actually before they started using him at all these other positions so he might be a better peer quarterback than Bridgewater for all I know if, if Bridgewater isn't any better than what he was Sunday so I don't know there's a lot of unknowns there for me and Michael Thomas at least kept it going even with Bridgewater out there so you would think he's more or less okay but Kamara might have a drop off in scoring opportunity at the very least that there was just kind of uh, no way for his owners to adjust to because it's like they picked him with the presumption of drew Brees being a 35 40 touchdown quarterback and with Brees being that kind of player comes all these touchdowns for kamara maybe they're just not there now yeah i'm i'm definitely concerned as a as a season-long uh kamara investor that this could be rough and then you know we're talking about a spot here uh going to seattle to face the seahawks team seahawks kind of one of the bigger kind of mysteries uh, i think so far i mean they're two and oh but like we're, we're we're still not sure if they're like actually good yet but when it comes to the saints Maybe Kamara, just by virtue of running like the shorter, easier to complete routes, uh, maybe that helps get Bridgewater into a rhythm a little bit. But again, like you said, Bridgewater struggles last week. Um, you you got to figure that they got to go back to the drawing board a little bit on, on how this offense looks. Yeah, and I'm also concerned that if you don't respect the pass with the Saints now, that you will pay no penalty for it because Michael Thomas is automatic, yes, but he also cannot pose a threat downfield. Like whatever things he has going for him, he just doesn't have the ability to do that, at least not any better than average. So if you're just kind of reduced to this Michael Thomas offense, I'll just have my safety never play downfield again. And I'll put two guys on him and then I'll maybe just test my luck and see like, well, let's see Bridgewater hit Ginn downfield. And if he can't, I guess he just won't be able to do anything really. Mm-hmm. And so there's a chance that Teddy is just better and if he is then yeah Thomas Ginn those things will work themselves out and then Kamara will work himself out in the process or at the same time whatever but I feel like there's a chance that there's just going to be like a, a you can just kind of play this offense like a bear trap and you won't really be penalized for it like the only way you'll be pen- penalized is if you miss your tackles which Kamara can make you miss tackles but uh, you'd rather have open field for him to use, and I don't know if there will be much. Yeah, that's that's going to be an issue that obviously you know we're we're looking at potentially six weeks uh, for Drew Brees being out. So that this you know this will be a rough start to that kind of that that stretch there uh, for the Saints offense. Uh, last week, Tyler Lockett on the other side of this got back involved, so that was that was good to see. Um, it looked like Rashad Penny also had a splash play in that matchup against the Steelers in that win on the road. What, how do we feel about the, the Seahawks attack going up against the saints this week? I don't know. The saints defense was a little better against the Rams, at least against the run than they were against Houston in week one. 
I still feel like they're probably no worse than average against the run. So you don't see an obvious opportunity for Carson or Penny unless, I guess, Teddy Bridgewater struggles that badly again, in which case maybe Seattle just kind of spends a lot of time on the field on offense and giving carries out when they do. Chris Carson has lost a fumble in each of the first two games, which I don't know what to make of that because before Penny got that touchdown run, which was kind of on a weird busted sort of play, like it wasn't it wasn't San Diego State Rashad Penny. It looked like almost like someone uh, blocked a punt and picked it up or something. Like I don't know what the defense was doing on that play. Like Russell Wilson was lead blocking for him like 20 yards downfield. <laughs> Just weird setup. Uh, I still am a Penny truther, so I'm not. As, it's not as if I'm um, saying he can't do that sort of thing. But CJ Procise got snaps last week after playing basically none in Week One. Maybe Procise just plays at the expense of Carson, but. As long as Procise is out there, that creeps me out for both Carson and Penny because Procise is a 220-pound guy who can run really fast and catch the ball well. Mm -hmm. He's just been hurt endlessly. So he's got real skills and real tools. I think Carson and Penny both do also, but it's it's just more complicated now than I thought it would have been uh, a few weeks ago. So maybe the Carson fumbles go to Penny. Maybe they go to Procise. Maybe Carson doesn't lose anything. But it's kind of hard to pick uh, which one is like, Carson's still the guy I don't know which one is the best like DFS especially tournament play Penny maybe I guess because uh, but on the other hand if Carson gets low ownership is like that big of a concern to you he's got his foot in the door and he didn't before you know like That's he true. could get hurt again but it's just it's a new unknown variable and he's still a 220 pound back who is fast and can catch the ball so uh, I would have had him rated much higher as a prospect than Chris Carson a few years ago. Okay. And uh, I don't know. I probably would have rated Penny higher as a prospect. I had them both probably as like second, third round guys and Carson more like a late round guy. Sure. But uh, in any case, I still think Carson I and mean, Carson's doing a great job as a pass catcher. So maybe that can uh, get Pete Carroll to look past the fumble issues another week. And uh, as long as he does, I think he should be fine. So I guess I would definitely keep Carson in your uh, season-long lineups for sure. I would not second-guess that one bit. And I kind of like him as tournaments just because I think his ownership might be pretty low. Um, but he can't, he can't fumble again. Like If he fumbles again, it might really be Penny overtaking him. Yes, so that, that'll definitely be something to, to keep an eye on. Ball security, obviously a huge thing when it comes to the running back position. So um, looking at one of the more popular waiver wire pickups from this week, Will Disley um, on Seattle, tight end. We, we're both... Not super high on him one way or the other, but does he factor in as a potential starter this week or or is last week just a complete mirage? Well, he did the same stuff last year before he got hurt and he was a fourth round pick, a guy who didn't really do a whole lot at Washington where I think he was also hurt quite a bit at Washington. But uh, in any case, he was supposed to be a blocking specialist. And then last year he gets 14 targets in four games, catches eight of them for 156 yards and two touchdowns, tears his patella tendon, which... When I saw that happen, I was like, oh, career over. And uh, week four, I thought at the very least he'd be missing this season because that's an injury. I literally don't know of anybody who came back from that. Like, I'm sure there was somebody, but it's like I'm thinking of Jimmy Graham, right? Oh, yeah, he was. But he was kind of like hobbly ever since then. Jermaine Crowell was a receiver for the Lions back in 98 who had a really big year. Taurus Patel attended, never was the same again. I think Ryan Williams, the running back from Virginia Tech, was another one. Nobody comes back from that injury, though, and uh, they certainly don't do it that fast. Disley had it in week four, 
and he's already back. He had some flare up before last week, but then he had two touchdown game. Yep. So I don't know, man. He's he might have already had his best game of the year, but uh, he's playing. He's he's I guess he's he played more than Nick Vanette last week. Didn't in a week one, I guess, but uh, seems like he's ahead of Vanette and he's been really good in a per game basis going back to last year. He's almost like tight end. Will Fuller as far as like never playing and putting up these ridiculous numbers. And when he does play making you wonder like how sustainable is it with what is even going on here for now, we know Russell Wilson is a quarterback who will throw touchdowns no matter how much Brian Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll conspire to keep him hidden. And it's like anybody out there can do it if they're getting the targets. So I kind of think you keep going with Disley if you need, if you especially lost like Njoku, I would go with Disley before I would Demetrius Harris or something like that. Okay, that that's that's good to like you know kind of throw out a, you know sort of baseline there. So if you if you are without Njoku, then then he's definitely someone that you could plug in at least for the time being. Uh, let's move on over to uh, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this Patriots Jets game. I mean, it's like are you benching pretty much all of your Jets guys other than Le'Veon? Uh, yeah. Okay. I think so. And then you're starting all your Patriots guys. I think you can keep going with Crowder and PPR though, because, uh, he's, he would be a perfect Washington state receiver with Luke Falk. Oh, he would. Just, yes. Let's get him like 19 targets for, uh, 60 yards or so. I'm, I'm ready. I love it. Rack it up. Um, and that's, that's another game where we see the, the point spread north of two touchdowns. That's just absolutely, or three touchdowns. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's absolutely wild. Greg. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whoops. Um, let's move on over to the Vikings and the Raiders. Uh, Vikings nine point favorites in this one. Yeah. It seems like another blow up spot. For, uh, I shouldn't say another, but, uh, this, the matchup is a blow up matchup for Dalvin cook. He didn't have a good matchup last week and blew up anyway. Could make it three in a row here. They also might not need much from him, but I mean, we saw this at Florida State during the year of the hamstring, where it's like, even if he gets 10 carries against a bad defense, that could be like 200 yards and two or three touchdowns. So Delvin Cook might not play the whole game. Derek Carr looked like Derek Carr last week. Yep. But uh, it's hard to imagine the Vikings, as they're built now, developing a big lead in any particular game without Cook having a lot to do with it. That That's the case even with stefan diggs and adam Thielen there because it's like there's no third receiver the void just kind of goes to dalvin cook so far right it's it's a very strange setup for their offense really having like that no in between like uh, obviously uh as, as far as receiver tandems go diggs and Thielen are, are one of the best in the league but having like the non-tertiary option in between those two guys and cook it is a strange setup for the vikings to feel comfortable with going into the season but i mean hey here they are they're one and one and kind of had a chance to to steal that game on the road last week until they started to play uh poorly um anything that to look for here uh, on the Raiders side uh, it's maybe the worst matchup of the year for Tyrell Williams who might get shadowed by Xavier Rhodes who's like the prototype corner for defending a guy like Tyrell Williams so Darren Waller might have a funnel going toward his way but the coverage might be really tough on him too I think the Raiders just kind of look like crap for this matchup. Uh, I'm worried about Josh Jacobs, too. And yeah. I, he posted on his Instagram, I think, that, oh, yeah. that, he, that he's sick and has lost like 10 pounds this week. That so it has to be some bit of overly dramatic, right? Like 10 pounds, that's kind of alarm. That's, yeah, that's like, wild. But, I mean, these players walk around with a lot of water weight and they're all hydrated and such. Okay. But but at the same time, that, you know, I think that's something where, where you're considering – 
I mean, is he like a f- he's like your flex, but like you drafted him to be like your RB two there. So I mean, this is a if you have a better option that you got a little bit later on in the draft, I'd, I'd I would honestly consider benching Jacobs this week. I think that this Raiders offense could be in deep trouble. Would you play? Uh, let's assume Damian Williams is out and Lashawn McCoy only has like a limited practice Friday. Would you start Darwin Thompson over Josh Jacobs? <sighs> That's tough. I think um, I would. Uh, I, th- I think I would, too. If Williams is out, it's like, well, either the Chiefs are going to throw it 60 times now or somebody other than McCoy has to get 8 to 10 carries or something. So, yeah, with, with that, I think that Thompson would probably care, you know, get that get that workload. And again, uh, this for Jacobs is just such a tough spot going up against his Vikings run defense. Um, so, yeah, something to, to keep in mind as you set your lineups this weekend. Uh, let's jump on over to the Bills and the Bengals. Bills looking pretty good thus far. Bengals uh, kind of, I wouldn't say they came back to earth, but I mean, the, the moxie that they showed in week one, they got smoked in week two. I don't know. The running game looks more dead than any running game I've ever seen, maybe. And it's crazy because they have two good running backs. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what, ch- it can't get worse, but I don't know what changes there because you would think it's largely because of the personnel or the injuries more specifically on the offensive line. And I think Cordy Glenn still looks like he's out. Okay. So I don't know. That Buffalo defense is already looking quite good too. So it's hard to see how the running game gets going for the Bengals in this one. And the matchups aren't so great for John Ross if he's going against Tredavious White. But he can – I mean, Ross is the kind of fast where even fast corners are liable to get dusted by him. Sure. So if with enough garbage time especially, enough times just chucking it in the air to see what happens, like they're not all going to fall incomplete. Eventually he'll catch one of those. And if the running game stays this dead, that could be the setup again three weeks in a row of just kind of – maybe it's not the prettiest, most – uh maybe you're not getting like a lot of war like wins above replacements out of john ross in in real life terms but either the offense gets going on the ground or ross does nothing or the offense does something and ross does too because Mm -hmm. uh i mean boyd's looking good whatever case and i think buffalo was that was without their nickel corner last week i don't teron johnson i don't know if he's going to be back this week but if he is like if he's out again that could make things a little easier for boyd who I think you still you feel good about Boyd oh, uh, yeah, the whole always. year. Um, it's just a question of like, can the running game do something, and can Ross do something? And I think if the running game stays no, then Ross becomes like agonizingly close to a yes answer in that case because it's just like, are they going to have more than 150 yards? If so, I guess Ross did something. Yeah, exactly. So it you know it's not the the prettiest thing, and it's not like the most sustainable. Like you want to count on this every single week, but again like if the Bengals are playing in that garbage time type of game script you know who's to say that this can't be three weeks in a row of utility um, out of Ross Um, let's jump or before we jump over to the next game uh, the Bills backfield I think has been a topic of a lot of discussion uh, this week I think a lot of people are really pounding their chest about Frank Gore it's kind of weird and I normally think Sean McDermott is really impressive this backfield management does not impress me. I don't know what he thinks he's proving. I don't know what he thinks he's getting out of it. I'd say nothing in both cases, but Devin Singletary's got a bad hamstring and he might not play this week. He hasn't practiced yet. So if he practices tomorrow, Friday, that then I'm, and if he's playing in any case, then I'm like, okay, well, Frank Gore is just going to kind of slowly, maybe not steadily, but he'll slowly lose ground to Singletary with time. 
Uh, the question is like, does Yeldon play this week? I don't know if they can afford to yet let Yeldon play because I know they're really they're really sticking to this. No, Frank good. Frank Gore is good. We meant to do this sort of thing, but he's not better than Yeldon. Like he just isn't. And I don't. I'm not even like a Yeldon fan or anything. It's just like Gore is sub replacement level. Anybody else who is sub replacement level can probably do most of the things he can. And if you let them on the field, they just might prove it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Singletary's out. We might see just a big workload for Gore. And in this setting, like if, if Cincinnati can't get consistent movement on offense, then Buffalo, with its defense as good as it is, could give Gore some scoring opportunities. Yes. So I think that he's going to be a very trendy guy in DFS this week. And I think that if you have him in season long, you know, if not this week, then when are you going to plug him in, you know? Yeah, this is if if you get another good start out of him, be very grateful you got that much. Yeah, exactly. So uh, again, it, with the, all with the caveat about Singletary's health, there. Um, let's jump over to the Cardinals and the Panthers. Cardinals two and a half point favorites at home, going up against potentially Kyle Allen. Uh, a couple of guys. Oh my that, God, A uh, and M all over. Yes, oh, uh, yeah. Man. Kevin Sumlin put that together. Kevin Sumlin now. lives in Arizona too. He's the Arizona coach. So oh man, there's a lot of there's a lot on the bone here. There's, I'm very there's, excited. There's too much uh, reality collision in this game. Too it's, much. It's uh, wild. So yeah, Kyler Murray kind of ran Kyle Allen out of A and M. Isn't that right? Is that, that is the correct. order? Okay. And then yeah, so Allen transferred, and then Murray like followed suit pretty soon afterward. Yeah. Actually, so good move. <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah, anyway, it's weird seeing Arizona favored in a game because they're rough on defense. Like the run defense is okay. Suggs is doing pretty good as a pass rusher. So him and Chandler Jones are surprisingly potent at the, you knew Jones was going to be sick. He's amazing. But, uh, Suggs being good at 38 or whatever he is, is interesting. And I don't know what to make of this Carolina defense exactly. They got a lot of front seven talent, but it's a new approach with the three, four. I don't believe in Bradbury that much. Dante Jackson is fast, but maybe not that refined. I don't know. Uh, but in any case, it's interesting the offense for Arizona looked as good as it did against the Ravens on the road. Like Cliff Kingsbury chasing field goals looked bad, but uh, Murray was making some nice throws. Wasn't getting phased over the course of the game, which is really important to see because it's like you know there's going to be difficulties, but like will the difficulties be too much for a player? And for Murray, it looks like the answer is no like he is probably going to struggle more at some point but he'll also bounce back in a reasonable amount of time and i think he could have like his first actually good game yeah i mean murray looked to be in control of that offense last week i thought he looked really impressive especially in the second half when they kind of let him run things a little bit more um and he was making a lot of like changes at the line kind of getting things set up to how he liked it and that that offense, I mean, they put the Baltimore secondary on skates a lot. There was a lot of open throws that he was making with, with Fitzgerald and with Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk looks awesome. He looks by the awesome. Way. Yeah. So Fitz does too. It's yes, weird. He, so he must be rejuvenated by having an actual quarterback there for uh, the first time in, in a few years now. So um, I think this Cardinal, yeah, this Cardinals offense is going to be one that's going to be held to play to play against uh, moving forward. At, even at, or especially with it presumably getting better. Yeah, I hope so because it's it'll be good for the NFL if the Arizona offense is good. Like it, it especially with all these quarterback injuries. Like my God, it, even the people who hated Murray going into this year should be rooting for him, if only for their their own sanity. Like they don't want to see how bad this product can get if if Kyler Murray isn't any good at quarterback in this year with you know all these other injuries and so on. But uh, one interesting thing 
Demir Bird is playing a lot for that offense, and he's only getting short route targets right now. They've been playing him outside, and I don't I don't know what kind of routes it is every time, like if it's all curls or if it's drags, but he's getting a low depth of target, and he's catching all these targets, and there's been, I think he's got like 14 through two games, something like that, and he's interesting because he might be, like there's a chance that he's as fast as any player in the league. Uh, like Marquise Brown, of course, with uh, the Ravens, looks very fast at, at 5'9", 170. Bird is the same tool set. Like he's 5'9", 170. He was timed at 4'27 in the 40 at his pro day. He can burn. And I don't know if it's going to be the case all year that the Cardinals just throw to him underneath. So uh, in any case, if they are setting up some hooks and some some drag routes to set up for a double move, and if somebody's sitting on the, the short routes with Bird... He could start going deep without any notice too, and at three thousand, I'm gonna probably have him in like every lineup that I make on DraftKings because uh, no one else is that getting that kind of snap target air yardage uh, run after the catch opportunity at three thousand. Like it's basically he shouldn't be priced that. Okay, so there, there's a potential DFS play of the week there, at least of the min price guys. Um, anything specific to look out for in the in this Carolina offense? Uh, Kyle Allen's totally good, I think, tournament play. And if you're using him in season long, everybody's so beat or, you know, enough people are hurt at quarterback that I don't think you should fret about this because the matchup is great. And it wouldn't be surprising if it actually turned into a shootout game because Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore should be able to get open all the time against these Arizona corners. And uh, yeah, if if I had to pick a game after the the Baltimore and Kansas City one as far as shootout potential, it's this game for sure. Okay, yeah, so that there could be yeah some bad defense there in addition to some interesting offenses. I think that, the, yeah, maybe Vegas is discounting the, the quarterback drop-off a little bit too much. I noticed the point total is down from 44.5 to 43.5. Maybe those people know better. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that Arizona's bad, uh, you know, beat-up and suspended corner personnel means Kyle Allen – could make use of receivers who will be open quite a bit and I, I think it could just kind of create a tempo spiral yes so keep an eye out for that that's definitely something to you know at least consider when, you, when you're throwing your lineups together this weekend and setting your season long ones um, before we get to our next game we got a message uh, from our buddies over at SeatGeek getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability it's hard to know who to trust that's why SeatGeek is the way to go SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value. SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets online on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. I actually have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I know this weekend uh, there's a couple games of interest, one that I'll actually be in town for. Um, I'm unfortunately going to be working during it, but uh, if I was not working, I would be very interested in, in getting SeatGeek rolling for the Michigan-Wisconsin uh, game that's going to be here in Madison. Oh my God. It's going to be a zoo. I didn't it, realize this. This is oh, like... This I'm is, sorry. I know it's going to be a good uh, game, and the people who go are going to have a great time, and the people who use SeatGeek will be so glad they got their tickets or whatever so easily, but uh, I got to leave town. Yeah. <laughs> 
like, I, I don't know if I can be here for that. It's going to be an absolute madhouse here in Madison this weekend with Michigan coming in, in a, you know, a game that, that could change the fortunes of their uh, respective playoff hopes. And I know that there's another one in Athens this weekend, very expensive ticket but between Georgia and Notre Dame going on. So a lot of great events coming up. Plus, we got NBA season coming up. We, get, we got NFL playoffs, more college football, all that good stuff. So check that out. And best of all, my listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTONFL today. That's promo code ROTONFL for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. All right, let's kind of rapid fire here through the rest of these games. So we got the Packers facing off against the Broncos. I think the Broncos, Broncos are, are, on, are on shutout watch. They suck. Yeah. They're so bad. They're really bad. Really, I really bad. feel bad for Vic Fangio, but he is not He's it. Tom Sula-ing at, a, at an alarming rate. It's so bad. And uh, Aaron Jones looking awesome last week. I think he could get going a little bit in this one. I wouldn't freak out so much if I was in Jones owner. I know people were freaking out about that Jamal Williams quote, but like Jones had a big game last week. Yeah, he looked well, good. He yeah. looked definitely the better of the two. Oh God, yeah, not even close. And uh, like Williams, I think when 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 uh, Lafleur was like, I'd want to get a more even split between Jones and Williams. I think that only is to say like, I wish we had leads that were bigger and earlier in the game so we could afford to take out Jones. But it's like if they take out Jones in a competitive game, they're asking to lose. And he was playing a lot more than Williams when it mattered last week. Okay. Um, one other kind of interesting wrinkle. I think I saw this uh, somewhere on Twitter. I don't know who to attribute it to, but I think Chris Harris of the Broncos hasn't played in the slot like at all this year. Or so. Oh, that is weird. Um, so does that set up well for Geronimo Allison, who, you know, kind of after totally burning his investors in week one by having zero fantasy points, he comes out last week and gets a touchdown against the Vikings. So I don't know if there's going to ever be a way to tell. I think there's yeah. only going to be like one, there's only room for one of Valdez Scantling or Allison to produce in a week. And you'll never really have fair warning of which one it's going to be for which guy. And I, I think it's just going to be like, just got to live with that. Yeah. Going to be, Sucks. yeah, it's going to be, that's very frustrating, you know, and they were going in like a very similar part of the draft. So that, yeah. that was something that I mostly tried to avoid. I got Allison a couple PPR shares, but I'm certainly not someone that I'm going to be relying on. He hasn't looked good. No. And the thing is, he's not like he only was going to be good if the system carried him and he had the opportunity within that system. And he still has that more or less like they, they ran a two tight end offense in week one. They ran a lot of three, four, five wide last week. If it's more like last week than week one, that's good for Allison, but uh, he's just not that good of a player. He might be sub-replacement level. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the Packers would do well to have a, uh, a better replacement. Not Trevor Davis, though. God, why is he still here? Did anyway. he get traded? I don't I know. Just like, he just won't go away, and it sucks. It's annoying. Like but, I know Kumaro is better, and like you don't have to think Kumaro is particularly good, but I don't know. Trevor it, Davis made an Uncle Rico parking lot punt return video, though, so that's why he's in the NFL. Is that why he's in the Because, yeah, that it's is. like he's been around as a specialist forever, and he's never even been a good returner. It's yeah, very weird to it's, me. Yeah, it's one of the more puzzling uh, 53-man roster uh, spots that you anyway, can Packers find win. there. Packers Sorry, Vic, win. you got to do something else. Yeah, it's get, getting ugly uh, there, or it's getting late early there in Denver. Um, so 49ers going up against the Steelers. Steelers, obviously another team that that lost their quarterback. This one, uh, he's done for the year in, in Ben Roethlisberger. It's funny, in my two-quarterback league, I, I had Roethlisberger. Uh, he goes down with the injury. 
I figured there's just even with you know the kind of added inflation that comes with the position that when you're in a two quarterback league, I still figured I could manage to have like a 100 like percent fab, no it, question. The yeah. the guy uh, went ahead and put 50 on Rudolph and 31 on Bridgewater, so he cornered the market. And Wait, what? Yeah, oh, so man, that's he, why I'm starting Kyle Allen. He went 100 percent in all the leagues that I was in. Uh, any you know super flex leagues that I was in, fishbowl, he went 100 percent. Okay, um, but yeah, I like. I mean, I know Roethlisberger is a Hall of Fame quarterback, puke, um, but <laughs> Rudolph is better than most third round prospects, I think. And the, th- the reason I'm hopeful for him, and maybe this is naive, but at Oklahoma State, good of a system as it was, he threw downfield all the time. Like he was not a dink and dunk quarterback like Derek Carr at Fresno. Like he threw downfield all the time, including as a true freshman, where he basically had his red shirt burned to be in a bowl game start, and he did really well. So. I don't know. He his interception last week was just Moncrief doing a volleyball tip, and I think Rudolph might be pretty decent. Actually, I don't really believe this. I don't think. Uh, I think Pittsburgh can cover this at the very least, even if they don't win. Like San Francisco isn't so f- functional that they deserve a touchdown favorite in this. Okay, so uh, you think that maybe there's a little bit of uncertainty on the Pittsburgh side as as to what this offense looks like sans Rudolph, in addition to San Francisco, kind of looked like it clicked back into place last week. Yeah, and I don't know what to make of the Pittsburgh defense either. They're poorly coached on some level, but they are fast. They got a lot of talent out there. They might have their good moments. The pass rush was great last year. Still not sold on Garoppolo exactly. It might just be that the Bengals suck. So yeah, that's what that, that's my lean, honestly. Yeah. So a, I'm I'm just kind of reasonably hopeful for Rudolph. Like Juju d- didn't do anything last week when Roethlisberger was in the game. It was all Rudolph, and uh, you know if he gets Juju going, then everything else should sort itself out. Stonks. Yeah. So I I think Juju should be fine because and also James Washington going in for uh, Moncrief, who I don't know if he's just that bad or the finger is an issue, but like. Washington played with Rudolph at Oklahoma State. It's it's something that I think is a, a bit meaningful, even if it doesn't. Yeah, like, they, they Washington- played beautiful music together in Stillwater and also uh, preseason darlings as well. They, they really were kind of lighting it up. Yeah, so maybe Washington doesn't turn into some kind of star or anything, but I do think it is meaningful that he worked so well with Rudolph in the recent past. Yeah, definitely. So so reason to, to not completely hit the panic button um, if you're a Steelers fan, um, although question about the the running back situation because i know connor kind of got his knee dinged up oh i guess I he's fine he did confirm that he's yeah not dealing with any tears so green light for him then this week too yeah i mean the san francisco defense might be pretty good they've got a lot invested in that defense and it's more or less carried the team through two weeks i'd say uh but connor for his part if he's healthy should still be a good player with a lot of usage okay so there at least uh there's that so keep an eye there and keep the faith on connor um, let's jump over to the Monday night game. Uh, the Bears going up against the Redskins. The Bears, four-point favorites this one. Disgusting. Yeah, it's pretty gross. God, I mean, I it's more it. like you starting McLaurin. Uh, sure. I mean, in stake league, I don't have a choice. I uh, have Tyreek and Deshaun Jackson both out now, so... I'm starting McLaurin, all right. Let's go, baby. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not starting. Uh, who else do I have here? I'm not starting Jamison Crowder. It's not a PPR league, so I'm seriously not starting Jamison Crowder. I cut him actually just now. Uh, so yeah. I, anyway, I don't have any receivers left on my bench to even put ahead of him. <laughs> okay, so so problem solved there. McLaurin, a viable fantasy starter for this week. So yeah, we won't dwell too much on, on this game. I think Montgomery got a lot more work. That's. Uh, something i don't know okay so at least that at least Maybe. there's that <laughs> i 
and against Washington. I mean, I guess this this sets up well. I think you, I think you could probably justify starting Montgomery this week, and of course you're, you're starting um, Allen Robinson as well. Uh, let's round things out with the with the Sunday night game. We got the Rams and the Browns facing off. Forty seven and a half is the over under there. The Browns looked better this past week, but I mean it, it's really hard to take away much of anything from that one. And the Rams, to a lesser extent, you know, with, with Breeze going out in that game and Bridgewater kind of. Uh, just playing as badly as you possibly could. Uh, there's not a ton to take away from that Rams victory necessarily either. So that coming Cle- into this one, what do you think? Oh, sorry. That Cleveland offensive line is a problem. And uh, Hubbard, I can't remember his name. He's out. He was the right tackle. So Elrond? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> I, did, I, I was going to say Chuba, but that's a running back who's in college. Hubbard, Oklahoma whatever. State. Big yeah. Oklahoma State podcast today. Yeah, it's an Oklahoma State podcast for the most part, but uh, yeah, it's it's not good to lose an all like you're starting right tackle from an already struggling offensive line, and now you got Aaron Donald. Dante Fowler's been pretty good through two games, so it's not a good spot for Mayfield as far as that goes. But you'd have to think the urgency of the setting and the spotlight of the setting will lend to uh, like aggressive play from him. Like I don't think he'll get timid even if he is struggling. And as long as that's the case, Odell Beckham will get his air yards. And if you get Odell enough air yards, he will score or get a lot of yardage eventually. Yes. So that sets up really well uh, for Odell, even even with the tough uh, corners matchup there. What do you th- make of this Rams offense going up against him? I mean, the Bear- the Browns were just so able to pin their ears back and just go after the quarterback last week. I mean, Miles Garrett had a bunch of sacks in that one i think he had three maybe four three at least oh yeah um, i didn't even that. i saw he hurt uh trevor simeon so, yeah he did yeah that uh, was that was brutal looking uh, i can't believe shout out to simeon for walking off after that that was nuts but um i don't think the browns will be able to play that level no. of aggression on defense they got to respect you know three very very good receivers plus todd Gurley. yeah denzel ward and greedy williams both showed up on the injury report today so i don't know if that means they both got hurt in practice today but if either of those two is limited, and I guess you'd say especially Ward, if Ward is limited, that would help out uh, the receivers, obviously. Uh, I forgot to pull up here uh, what side those guys... You'd think Ward might shadow a guy like Cooks just because of the matchup. Uh, so maybe Ward being hurt would help Cooks a little bit more. But Ward neutralizes Cooks in terms of skill set. And uh, yeah, I think it's another... You can imagine any of those three receivers for the Rams playing well, but I think... Like most weeks, Cooper Cup has the easiest route to it. Yes, and and he was bonkers after the catch last week on, on top of that. So I think that this sets up uh, well for him and, and pretty much that, that whole Rams offense. That's going to be, hopefully, that's a, that's a type of uh, Sunday night game that, that lives up uh, to the expectations there. But that's going to wrap things up for today's show. Thank you for listening to the RotoWire NFL podcast brought to you by Yahoo and Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports.